Chapter Twenty Eight of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Eight: A Fateful Evening. They were late in arriving at the Schuyler farm, having been detained at the last moment by some tardily thought of plans for Mrs. Edmund's comfort during their absence. Nearly all the other guests seemed to have been present for some time and were in full tide of sociability prominent among them quite a centre indeed was estelle douglas in new and exceedingly becoming spring attire and with a glow on her cheeks and a sparkle in her eyes which indicated entire satisfaction with herself and her surroundings she hovered not far away from ralph bramlett during the most of the evening seeming to desire especially to make known the fact that she had a right to appropriate him that young man was by no means at his best he was more carefully dressed perhaps than he used to be although he had always been careful of his personal appearance but his fifteen hundred dollar salary had enabled him to indulge in some expenditures in that direction from which economy had held him heretofore his new suit was undoubtedly becoming but his face was pale and unnaturally grave his eyes had a look of unrest and his manner to Estelle, had any one been closely observing them, would at times have suggested almost irritability. Marjorie would not be a close observer, feeling sure that no good could result, at least at present, from their coming in contact with each other. She took pains to keep as far away from both Estelle and Ralph as she could, without attracting attention. If she had been thinking very much about herself, however, she would have discovered that so far from Ralph seconding her efforts in this direction, he was evidently anxious to be in her vicinity. If she found her way to the music room, he was sure to be there in a very few minutes. Did she join the promenaders in the large, old-fashioned hall, the second turn she made, Ralph was almost certain to be just behind her. When she sang, as she had promised her mother she would do when invited, it was Ralph Bramlett who stood at her right, so close to Mr. Maxwell that it was with difficulty he turned her music. He said almost nothing, apparently, to anybody, and his face grew constantly moodier. Once Mr. Maxwell turned and looked at him for an instant, in utmost surprise. The occasion was when Estelle had asked him to join the groups on the piazza. "'I don't wish to go on the piazza,' he said." can you never feel willing to let a person do what he wants to for five seconds at a time the question and tone were so charged with irritability that it had been impossible for mr maxwell not to turn to be sure of the speaker nor had he kept the look of reproof entirely out of his eyes ralph saw him and colored and felt more annoyed and angry than before but it was late in the evening when the incident occurred which brought to naught all marjorie's efforts to avoid a direct conversation with her old friend she was out with many others on the lawn which was brilliantly and fantastically lighted with many chinese lanterns it formed a place of special attraction on this lovely may evening which was almost as warm as an evening in midsummer marjorie and little effie schuyler had been taking a walk through the grounds with mr maxwell for their companion 
there was a certain remarkable tree on the farther side of the house which effie had been describing to mr maxwell he had asked her many questions concerning it which she could not answer and she had become very anxious to take him to see it she had finally carried him off in triumph to see for himself how impossible it was for her to tell all the things about it that he had asked marjorie had taken a rustic seat under one of those charmingly lighted trees and agreed to await their return she had seen that wonderful tree many times she affirmed and knew no more about it than effie did if mr maxwell could answer his own questions simply by observing it once he was the very person to give it attention it was under the trees that ralph bramlett found her he came upon her suddenly from one of the paths that was in shadow and it chanced that at that moment none of the many groups on the lawn were near her the first that she knew of ralph's approach was the sound of her name marjorie spoken by the voice she knew so well but there was a new note in it a note of peremptoriness irritability almost of anger no wonder that it startled her she half arose then sat down again yes she said gently her thought had always been to be as kind and cordial with ralph as possible when it should suit his pleasure to allow her an opportunity he gave her no time to consider what more she should say but plunged at once into words i want to see you i have been watching for an opportunity all the evening and you have been watching to avoid me how long is this farce to go on why do you treat me in this absurd way look back over the months and see if you can answer the question it is inconceivable that you are utterly heartless and i had never thought of you as a flirt but how else am i to construe your treatment of me ralph she exclaimed surprise and utter bewilderment in her voice was this the raving of a man who did not know what he was saying it was so utterly unlike words which she had expected to hear from him what has occurred to excite you to make it possible for you to feel that you can address such language to me oh don't go on in that sort of way to me marjorie i tell you i won't stand it i have borne a great deal from you but when you put on that air of soft surprise and pretend that you do not understand it is more than flesh and blood can endure i ask you how long you wish this farce that has been going on for months between us to be continued it is utter folly for you to pretend ignorance of my meaning you and i have known for years that we belong to each other and that no person had a right to come between us explain if you can why you considered it necessary to suddenly build up a wall of separation between us merely because my judgment in one single particular did not agree with yours and i reserved the right which any man of sense has to use his own judgment when he is the responsible person it is six months since we were here marjorie are not six months of misunderstanding and misery enough to atone to even you for not having had your own way in every particular the utmost feeling in marjorie's mind for the moment was bewilderment was this man growing insane or was she six months of misunderstanding and misery yes she understood so much but the man to whom she had written a note so kind that even her mother feared lest it should be misunderstood had returned her a reply which was almost insulting in its coldness 
and had from that time discarded even her friendship not only this but he was engaged to another and yet he stood before her apparently upbraiding her for what had from the beginning been of his own planning certainly he must for the moment be out of his mind how was she to reply she looked at him out of great troubled eyes and allowed the startling query to pass through her mind could it be possible that he had been taking something stronger than the lemonades and chocolates which the schuylers served she dismissed the thought on the instant as unworthy of consideration and answered him as she might have done a semi-lunatic ralph i have not the slightest conception of your meaning you wrong me if you suppose that i have a hard thought in my heart concerning you i have never at any time had the slightest desire to make one hour of your life miserable on the contrary my daily prayer is for your happiness in the life that you have chosen he turned half away from her as if in ungovernable impatience even anger as he said roughly leave all that out if you have nothing but prayers to offer me i can get along without them what i want to know is do you dare to tell me that you do not understand that we were the same as engaged to each other the flush which had spread over marjorie's face at the sound of her name from his lips had died quite away she was very pale now but quiet enough much less excited than was he ralph she said again but there had come a change in her voice there was an undertone of sternness i do not understand what possible good can result from speaking of those past days now whatever either of us may have thought in the past has nothing to do with the present the basis upon which we may talk in the future is one i hope of friendliness and kindness but i at least remember that i am speaking to a man who is engaged to estelle douglas estelle douglas be hanged he said hoarsely don't fling her name at me now you know perfectly well that you have yourself to thank for the wretched position in which i find myself had you not chosen to try to humiliate me by flirting openly and shamefacedly with that insufferable psalm-singing hypocrite whom you have let into your house i should never have been overwhelmed with the embarrassments which now beset me it will hardly do for you to fling my misery in my face when you have yourself to thank for it then indeed she arose and the flash in her eyes was one of unmistakable indignation mr bramlett she said in a tone such as he had never before heard from her you forget yourself utterly you are disgracing yourself and insulting me i am quite unable to understand what your object can be i will try hard to think that some unexpected trouble has temporarily unsettled your mind i know of no other explanation which could atone for what you have said to me let me pass please then this young man of impulse felt himself suddenly impelled to an entire change of base he caught at her arm as she would have passed him and grasped her hand marjorie don't he said brokenly don't go away i don't know what i have said i don't mean the half of it i don't mean any of it if you choose only i can't lose you again oh marjorie how could you let anything or any person come between us nothing shall bursting into sudden anger again i will have my rights 
you belong to me estelle douglas is less than nothing to me and always was i was insane or a fool when i allowed her to imagine otherwise it was not for you to lay such a thing up against me you know and always have known that you are the only person in the world to me let us end all this at once marjorie let us be married right away i am in a position now to take care of you had i been six months ago all this misery might have been saved us marjorie there is nothing there shall be nothing that can separate us again do not think about estelle she is a creature without depth you have said so yourself many a time and we both know it is true she will forget me in a week she has known for a dozen years that you and i belong to each other oh marjorie mr bramlett i desire you to let me pass without another instant's delay if you undertake to detain me i shall call for assistance and then ralph bramlett knew that he had passed beyond the bound of even his influence marjorie spoke in such a voice as he had not supposed she could use he dropped his detaining hand suddenly and took a single step aside none too soon she swept past him like a queen just as mr maxwell's voice was heard still in merry chat with little effie schuyler there was the slightest possible touch of surprise in his manner as he saw who was waiting near marjorie but he lifted his hat to him courteously not apparently noticing that he received no sort of response and turned to marjorie would you like to return to the house miss edmonds or shall we remain out longer i would like to go in at once said marjorie and he too noted the new ring in her voice as effie suddenly flitted away from them among the trees she added mr maxwell i would like to go home if it is possible do you think i could get away without attracting too much notice certainly he said quietly it is quite time that an affair of this kind was breaking up i had designed consulting your wishes as soon as i had bestowed miss effie in a safe place i am beginning to have qualms of conscience over my promises to your mother already then let us get away at once said marjorie with unnecessary energy i will be ready in a very few minutes i will not return to the parlors at all mrs schuyler is in the dining-room i think if you will come that way we can go out by the dining-room door it was only too apparent that something had occurred to excite her painfully the hand which mr maxwell took to assist her up the steps trembled and was as cold as ice but of course there was nothing which he could do except to appear as blind as a bat and conduct himself as though nothing unusual had occurred this he did to perfection mentally berating himself the while for having left his charge and yet in great mystification as to what could have occurred to so unnerve her in a very short space of time they were on the road and the late moon was making their way brilliant even the moon came to suggest the evening when they had travelled this way before selim was at his very best so their progress was rapid mr maxwell taking no notice of his companion's few words spoken with evident effort talked on almost uninterruptedly discovering it to be difficult for her to respond even in monosyllables to his remarks 
he took refuge in a long story of not too thrilling interest which he knew by being told in minutest detail could be expected to occupy a good deal of the time he told it in a way to require no questionings or comments some of it marjorie heard but the narrator did his work so well that during a portion of the time she could give herself up to the business of trying to get the control of her overwrought nerves it was a difficult thing to accomplish she felt a sense of great relief in the discovery at last that in a very few minutes she would be at home and she could take refuge in the darkness of her own room meantime what must her companion think of her being frank by nature she resolved upon an attempt at explanation and apology mr maxwell you have been very kind to me to-night i want you to know that i am grateful i had a conversation with she hesitated for the right word and began again something occurred this evening which made me feel incapable of conversation you have seen it of course and have been thoughtful as usual i thank you very much he hardly knew how to reply to her without exhibiting too much sympathy but after a moment's hesitation he said consider me at all times please as a friend with whom you may talk or keep silence according to the mood of the hour i am very well aware that we do not at all times feel like talking your mother has reached home before us and is at the window i see i am glad we have made such good time she cannot have been long alone marjorie had fled to the solitude of her own room with a feeling of haste upon her more than once during those six months but never it seemed to her more eagerly than she did that night a strange sense of humiliation possessed her which made her shrink even from her mother's tender questionings it was almost as though she had sat still and allowed herself and her mother's teachings and the conscience and purity of them both to be insulted what had not that man said to her under cover of their dead past not content with tearing away all the sacred privacy which should gather about the relations with the woman whom he had asked to be his wife he must even propose marriage to her the man whom she had trained herself for weeks to look upon in the same light as one who had already taken marriage vows what had his engagement meant to him then what had their friendship been worth ever since he could even accuse her the woman he was at that moment professing to love above all others of the lowest and coarsest form of petty revenge known to womankind her cheeks burned in the darkness as she thought of it oh the man must certainly be insane she could almost hope for the honour of his future that he was yet her stern common sense coming to the rescue assured her that he had known only too well what he was saying he had been angry and determined and had spoken out in the suddenness of his anger thoughts which must often have been in his mind he did not love estelle douglas did not even respect her enough not to speak such words of her as he had that night and he had asked her to be his wife and she was daily planning for the time when they two should be as one what a monstrous thing it was she felt a great pity for estelle surging into her heart and there met it that overwhelming sense of shame for herself that he should take her to be such an one as that 
that he should dare to talk to her about love the pain and shame and burning indignation which she had kept under with resolute hand during that homeward ride revenged themselves upon her at last in an outburst of more bitter tears than she had known she could shed nevertheless she opened that communicating door before her mother was ready for rest and went swiftly towards her speaking rapidly mother let us close the house just as soon as we can and go away let us be gone all summer longer than that forever if it were possible i cannot stay here mrs edmonds turned and looked at her daughter in wonder and dismay what had happened now the girl's eyes were bright with the excitement which is not far removed from anger yet she had been crying hard could mr maxwell have said or done anything to disturb the careful self-control which she knew that marjorie had been cultivating my dear what is it she asked putting both arms around her child and drawing her to the old childhood resting place her face hidden on her mother's breast the act brought the tears again for a few minutes but she gave them little chance this time mother she said raising her head forgive me and do not be frightened i ought not to disturb and distress you so late as it is too nothing very terrible has happened that is only mamma i feel as if i must go away from here now as though i could not breathe in the same town with them she hid her face again and the mother stood distressed and wondering but presently the girl stood erect and finished her story as much of it as she meant to tell mother i have lost my respect for him now and when a girl has to say that it is bitter then mrs edmonds knew that her daughter had had an experience which she believed that loyalty to others would not allow her to tell even to her mother End of chapter 28